0: Welcome everyone back to the podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Burn Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
2: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of Champions Talking All Things Pac-12 football. David, I tried to remove my headphones because, you know, to not hear your uh, you know disjointed way of doing the introduction. And I then I put it, I'm like oh he's just doing it normally I put him back and then you started doing all your that's uh, how your I crazy- that's how
0: I keep everyone on their toes Yes. That's how I keep what I what I what I realize every time when I start doing it is there's got to be somebody some poor fool out there who for whom this is their first time listening to this podcast and they've got to be like oh wow this is unlistenable garbage and they wouldn't <laughs> be wrong but it's not for the intro that this is unlistenable garbage. But they might think it just from the fact that I am screwing up the intro every single time.
2: Right. But that's your thing. That's what we do. Uh, That's part of the charm of the POC, especially in the offseason. we got an interesting show for you today. We're going to go over our preseason picks here, if you remember. This is something David did every year, and I did not. So this is my first year picking every single game in the conference. So we'll go over how well we did. I think David did better, but we'll see. Uh, We don't know. We'll have to go back and... uh, Take a look, and we got a bunch of questions. I know it's a shorter week because we recorded on Wednesday last week, and today is Monday, but we still got a bunch of questions and some interesting topics you guys have sent in. If you want to send anything else, you can do that uh, at our email address, pac12podcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd rather call or text, we did get a text this week, 424-532-0678. On the Twitter, you can get us all week at pac12podcast, or at least you can get me on Twitter. Dave doesn't really look at it. Uh, our website's pack 12 podcastcom Please subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the places you can get podcasts. Leave us some nice reviews and if we're on we got a subreddit too, Reddit.com slash R slash podcast of champions. So check it out. We get some new posts. I think we have eighty uh, something members now, Dave, so it's not bad. It's, it's, our little Reddit's growing or subreddit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We should actually, you know, maybe spend a little bit of time there. Well, oh, I did. Boy.
2: I did post our show on it last week. I've liked some things. I'm not seeing you there, which, you know, you're more the Reddit guy, but.
0: <laughs> I'm actually reading a comment now. Um, so this is from I puke Oregon Grello in response to uh, you posting the episode. Unofficial subtitle, the moment where you think you're a David, but then you realize that David has horrible taste in comedies and you're probably more of a Ryan, but then David goes and redeems himself by defending Oregon's full-serve gas culture.
2: <laughs> it was good. We got some tweets about the comedies and uh, Airplane was one I probably should have mentioned. I love that one. Um, there was a few others, too, but there was a there were some good ones that, pe- that we yeah, forgot. Yeah, the,
0: a lot of good ones. Um, I think... Really, the the comedies you like speak to, um, I I think a lot of it speaks to how old you are. Um, And and not in, like, a bad way, but, like, people who are going to, like, on first reference, say, Airplane. Well, you're dating yourself, and that's fine. Airplane's really good, but it's, you know, it's of its time and place. Or if you're picking, like, a Mel Brooks, like, Spaceballs or something. Now, some of these are somewhat timeless. I think Spaceballs is one of them, but... You're dating yourself. I think if you're going Animal House, you're definitely dating yourself. So it's fine. I'm dating myself to, like, a, a 90s kid. And I think the movies that you watch when – like, for me, and I was thinking about it more after the show because that's how I do things. I don't actually think about it when I'm talking about it. But I think a lot of, like, your appreciation of comedies is formed when you're, like, 14 years old. Yeah. Like, that's when, that's when everything is peak funny to you. And then after that, it's like, oh, I'd rather go watch some, you know – melodrama with somebody dying in it um uh, yeah
2: anyway yeah i get it uh I, I we didn't mention uh what was it star wars phantom menace with jar jar binks that's one of the great comedies of all time too right is that am i correct in that or is that that's yeah, yeah. was it attack of the clones was it which which, which one was uh,
0: absolutely uh, both i mean they should both be in there okay obviously <laughs> obviously
2: nice well we got a lot of stuff to get to um there are a few notes first uh, so, uh, research stadium for Oregon state, they, Oregon state announced this week, uh, it's on to the next phase. So they're doing this in phases, the, uh, stadium, uh, upgrades. This is the West side project, which I believe includes the press box and the, um, the luxury boxes and things like that. I think it was from like the fifties. It's not really been upgraded and they've done this in stages. I think it's going to be ready in like 2023 costing between 145, 175 million so uh oregon state they're just kind of taking this piecemeal approach apparently to uh, upgrading the stadium that's a neat little place to to watch a game but if you get better luxury boxes better press box uh i'll i'll, I'll go up there a little bit more
0: yeah no Reezer's cool i've watched games there um hmm. yeah it's a good spot 145 to 175 million is that's a that's a nice chunk of change probably helped to have a little bit more money coming in so hopefully uh the pac-12 doesn't blow their next meteorites deal
2: yeah, I think uh, John Wilner tweeted something about that, about, hey, this, this this means that media rights deal is all that much more important. Uh, when you have projects like this, you need to get you, you need to get done.
0: Yeah. Generally, my advice to schools is look at what Cal did in renovating their stadium and just do anything that doesn't look like that. Don't don't <laughs> do that like from anywhere near that, budgel, that budget uh, perspective and you'll be in good shape.
2: Makes sense. Uh, speaking of budget, you want to talk about the next one?
0: Oh I really do. Uh, one of Wilner's reports from this week he was on a f- he was on fire oh, the yeah. last like week and a half, uh, especially with respect to UCLA. but um, one of his reports was that UCLA for the first time in basically recorded history, but at least the last 15 years, uh, is in the red budget wise and not by like a small amount. Uh, there are 19 million in the hole. And that it was unclear, but that might be after dipping into the reserves a little bit um, beyond what they did last year. So it might be that they were actually like in the red even more. Um, and this makes sense when you think about it and you apply any kind of thought to it. But there were some interesting notes. I mean, obviously, UCLA had to pay off Jim Mora. And that was, I think, $12 million more or less than a lump sum that they just ate. Um, and then they had to pay off Steve Alford. They had to um, give Mick Cronin a signing bonus. Um, so there were some big chunks of change that were kind of one-time deals that made this a particularly tricky fiscal year. Um, but on top of that, one of the notes I found so incredible was that in Jim Mora's last year, uh, the UCLA football program spent under a million dollars on food. Just under, but under a million dollars on food and, and, and accoutrement. Uh, Chip Kelly... Had a five million dollar budget for food. Whoa, that's incredible! You go up from under a million to five million dollars overnight. So, I, I,
2: I mean, he looks a little bigger. He looks like he's put on some weight. So maybe that <laughs> explains something. I don't
0: know. <laughs> he's just eating like full on like Kobe steaks every single night, like fourteen of them. Yeah. So it's crazy. Um, I I don't I mean, I think it's all it's all a good thing from a UCLA perspective. Um, Well, obviously not being in the red, but the fact that they're actually investing in the football program in a real way and in, you know, firing coaches before it was fiscally responsible is certainly something that fans have been clamoring for for a long time. Um, Now, if if neither the basketball team nor the football team gets good anytime soon, which you know, I'm. I'm. I think. I think Hoops will get it figured out. But uh, yikes on football. Um, that might change their. Uh, <laughs> their. Their mo going forward. Maybe they'll get back to the UCLA of old. Um, where they. You know, pinch pennies. Um, but for now, you know, I. I think if they can deal with it, uh, it sounds like they took a interest bearing loan from the main university. Uh, to pay it off. So if they can deal with it for now, um, I think it's all in all a pretty good sign for like fans who want to see commitment from, uh, from the athletic department to actually being good.
2: $5 million worth of food. I
0: love that, man. Like, you know, it's that's such, so like,
2: it, it, yeah, it's it like, uh, better. we need the, the white truffles that are in from Sicily, but they're only available <laughs> in late August. So make sure you go get a bunch of those. And, um, you know, the, <laughs> it's like the purple asparagus. Now those are only in season from blah, blah, blah. Make sure you fly to Florence and get those. I, yeah, I don't know. That seems like a pretty big budget. I mean, five million on food.
1: Like, yeah, like go ahead.
2: A
0: fa- Like a family of four eating well is like, what, a thousand bucks a month? Something like that? Uh, Probably, yeah. Sure. Something like, like eating really well. Like the whole thing. And say, all right, let's even like multiply that by
2: two. Like chilies, like you're talking like, like really and these, well.
0: And these are people just eating steak every night, eating five meals a day. You know, like football players. Let's multiply that by two. So two grand a day. Or two grand a month times four. So if you extrapolate that times, you know, the 25, the 100 kids on a football team, more or less, um, you're looking at, what is that, 50 grand thereabouts a month. So you're not coming close to $5 million is my point. uh
2: uh-uh. No, I mean, and can so, some of that money be used on gloves? And Rick Neuheisel would have been extremely. That's happy. all
0: I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I so look, we we can't judge the glove total by like the actual glove total. <laughs> we can't say that. We can't sit here and just count gloves. But we've we've shown the the Neuheisel studies have proven there is a strong correlation back and forth between glove total and win total. Yep. So the fact that Chip Kelly has only gone seven and seventeen through the first two years. I think they're misallocating resources towards food, and not nearly enough towards appropriate handwork. Yeah, if you
2: if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I just that's what I feel we're doing here. They're just not they're too much food, not enough gloves. That's what I'm saying. Uh, for Cal, there's some news there. So Gerald Alexander, uh, the defensive back coach. I know USC went after him. He's he was only there for three years, but did a really good job with that. Cal secondary. Justin Wilcox, is, you know, he he likes the secondary. You know, he was a safety himself. But uh, Alexander was one of those hot names. I thought he would stay in college. He ended up going to the Miami Dolphins. So that was an interesting move. But the more interesting move is what uh, Justin Wilcox did to replace Alexander. Uh, Marcel Yates, if you remember him, he was the Arizona defensive coordinator. He got fired in the middle of the year. Uh, so I think that's a – I mean, you, you can pay the hire, but if you're – you're the Cal's you know young uh head coach and to hire for your db coach a former pac-12 defensive coordinator i think that's that's a that's a good move for me so uh, i like what cal's doing there
0: well and i know marcel yates loves his dbs because he likes to put like six or seven of them on the field at one time so See? i'm sure he'll be good there yeah
2: pretty good did you watch the senior bowl at all
0: not a bit i not didn't a, watch not a it second either. i watched i watched Two clips of UCLA players during the practices.
2: Oh, all right. Well, you got that. So, but there were three uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks. Um, but a couple of them did really well. Anthony Gordon had a couple TDs in the game. Justin Herbert ended up getting uh, the MVP. So I know there was some Justin Herbert talk about, hey, should he be the number one? I mean, just because he's he's looking the NFL part. I think people liked what they saw down there in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Anthony Gordon, especially with the way Gardner Minshew was able to play. I think that's going to help his cause and the fact that he had a good week. Um, So some interesting uh, storylines there for the Pac-12, at least from the quarterback standpoint.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as everyone knows, we're big on the uh, Justin Herbert being the number one overall pick train. Uh, We've never said anything (laughs) otherwise. Um, So this is just more confirmation of what we've been saying for so long.
2: It's funny, like it's uh, it's just you know the college production just isn't doesn't match what the NFL pl- you know minds think of him, uh, but you know it's uh, I think it's going to help him. It seems like he's moving up for sure, so it could be a big payday. Uh, I know Wilner was talking about just getting an elite Pac-12 player. He's the Pac-12's best shot. There's a few other guys that were mentioned as potential first-round draft picks: Brandon Ayuk, I think uh, Austin Jackson from USC. And I think there was – I forget there was one more. Um, But Justin Herbert's got the best chance to go the highest in the draft from the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, that seems obvious. Yeah. Um, DeMarco Murray, Oklahoma, moved on from Arizona. Is that right? Yeah. Got that that from today?
2: It was actually – yeah, like uh, probably three hours – while we are recording, maybe about three hours ago, there was reports coming out that Oklahoma was interested in him. Um, but it like, I went, I went to look to make sure. And it was like, yeah, official as of like a few hours ago. So, uh, you know, that's, that's tough. I think he, he was someone that was a good young hire, like someone you're going to come out and they're like, yeah, he got, I mean, I think the players respected him. They had a really deep group of running backs there. I thought they performed well. So, uh, you know, he kind of proved his worth and then Oklahoma came in and snatched him away, but that's where that's his alma mater. So.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense, and he'll probably stick there for a while now. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense.
2: And then as I was writing the notes, there was some more news that came out. Uh, Cal will take a trip to Notre Dame. So right now, USC and Stanford both play Notre Dame. Cal will. September seventeenth, two 2022, and according to John Wilner, again killing it, Cal's getting paid $1.9 for this game. So this is sort of like... Notre Dame's version of an FCS game or something um which isn't great for the Pac-12 no return trip announced or anything so it looks like Cal's just gonna go to Notre Dame and uh get paid
0: that'll be kind of cool though I mean yeah okay yeah it's it's a little but I think this is just kind of the you know the Notre Dame way is I don't think they want to do too many home and homes with Pac-12 schools since they've got two standing ones they did yeah. one with UCLA a while back um have they done any with anyone else recently?
2: I I think UCLA was the last one, outside that was
0: of six oh seven.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's been another one since then. To uh, yeah. so my recollection, but you know that's not you know that's not very good. You can't ask. Me well, and
0: remember. their their home and homes with USC and Stanford are just going to screw up um, UCLA USC scheduling for the until the end of time at this point. Yeah. Uh, is is UCLA-USC ever going to end up being last game again? Because now it seems like it's always Cal for UCLA.
2: I know. It's so weird. Uh, I don't know. They got uh, more Pac-12 scheduling problems. Like you can't – playing Notre Dame can't be something that screws up the entire schedule. Like you have to be able to figure out ways to make well, that. Well,
0: it's the weird combo thing, which is that USC then wants to play Stanford early in the year on the years where Stanford has Notre Dame – Home, I think. I don't. I don't think that's something what like the that.
2: schools want to do. That I think like the conference makes them do that because they both play Notre Dame. I thought that's was the case, but
0: and they just don't want to move something else. Yeah, I, I
2: think right. they try to put that there. So uh, yeah, I think if you're going to prioritize, like, hey, we need the most exposure for the conference playing Notre Dame is good. You don't make it like it's a negative. It just sounds like that, but but it's great. I think uh, Cal going Notre Dame. We'll see. I mean, who knows how the teams will be then? But uh, yeah. Getting a couple million bucks for it. So that's that's good for Cal. They got some budget problems there. So
0: Yeah, they can use that. Get paid. Yeah.
2: And and then Wilner did a good uh, job and uh check out the the hot the uh hotline. What was it? What does he call it? The what's the newsletter? Is it the hotline? Yeah. Wait. I think so. Yeah. I was like, my screwing no. up with that yeah? Uh and then you know, some of the articles. But he talked about the uh five there's five new offensive coordinators. Uh, openings and five new defensive coordinator openings and gave kind of a rundown there. So ASU ended up bringing in Zach Hill, who was the Boise state OC Uh, Cal brought in uh, bill Musgrave who wasn't coaching last year, but you know, like that, that move, Oregon went for the big money hire Joe Moorhead, the former Mississippi state head coach. So they're, you know, flexing their muscle a little bit. He's getting paid about a million bucks a year highest in the conference. As far as the, the public, Universities USC's paying uh, Graham Harrell a little bit more than a million, so uh, they they got it. But that's not; it's private school. So uh, Washington was an interesting one, where you bring in John Donovan, who was a Jaguars uh, offensive assistant, sort of looking like a Joe Burrow uh, situation, trying to maybe recreate that magic. And Washington State doesn't have an OC yet, uh, but you know. Nick Rolovich is a big offensive guy, so I'm not sure how that's going to work. Like Leach didn't have one, right? I'm I think Rolovich did at Hawaii, but I I don't I don't know for sure. I will have to look it up.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it was just some guy who held the title. Um, and I'm sh- I'm sure Leach had one that was holding the title, right? Just for the money. Did he? I thought I, maybe not. Uh, um, I didn't think he did, but you know, Chip Kelly like has an offensive coordinator, but he's calling the plays. So you know, I, some of these guys might do it a little bit differently. But yeah, I mean, I think Rolovich will be heavily 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 involved in that offense yeah uh
2: yeah so uh, i've listed mike leach was listed as the offensive coordinator so because I, yeah, I i have my cool. thing there so any any thoughts on <clears throat> excuse me the uh, offensive coordinators
0: i mean i think moorhead was a great hire i like the zach hill hire um i'm you know remains to be seen on musgrave and donovan um but I, uh, Morehead was a. I, I thought that was a fantastic hire. Yeah. Um. And there's not too much shine that come that's come off of him, even though he had the you know bad couple of years at Mississippi State. Um. And the Zach Hill hire we talked about a little bit ago, but I think that one's got the potential to be very good. Um. For for Herm and Jaden Daniels. So. Yeah. Um. I think two obvious upgrades, and then uh, Callen Washington. We'll have to wait and see.
2: TBDs. Uh. Defensive coordinators. Uh. Arizona gets Paul Rhodes, who was a UCLA assistant uh tony white goes to arizona state uh so they they switch both coordinators uh he was up he was uh promoted he was an asu assistant yeah Yeah. usc ends up hiring the fired texas defensive coordinator todd orlando uh washington uh just you know they keep in house uh pete what is it kakowski yeah and he was he was the
0: dc and then it was i think he was the if i'm remembering the timeline correctly he was the full time dc and then jimmy lake was promoted to co dc and then jimmy lake was promoted over to head coach and now he's back to being the full dc yeah
2: so they kind of shared it and now he's you know so there's not much of a transition there if
0: mm-hmm. anything
2: and then uh jake dickert uh, wyoming's defensive coordinator came to washington state so washington state also made changes uh, on both sides of the ball and I, you know i guess washington you could as well but like we said it was one of them really wasn't a uh wasn't a change
0: yeah, and I think, so for me, um, Paul Rhodes, I think's probably going to be fine. We talked about that one a little bit ago. Um, he's got that UCLA stink on him, but um, he's got a decent defensive pedigree. Um, I think the continuity hires are both pretty solid. Um, uh, Kwiatkowski at uh, Washington. Um, yeah, whether he's calling the plays or not, I don't know. Um, but Jimmy Lake will obviously have a huge hand in that. And then yeah. Tony White was with... Rocky Long for a long time um, at San Diego State um, and then followed Gonzalez to uh, to Arizona State. So I think he's going to kind of bring that same philosophy. I'll have to read more about if he's planning any changes, but I think he's firmly in that tree. So it'll be continuity. Um, And then Todd Orlando, you know, he was a really hot name as a D.C. when he kind of went with Herman to Texas. Um, Obviously, things did not work out great there, um, but there's potential that he, you know, finds his groove or whatever again. Um, Texas is a weird spot, Um, so I'm interested. You know, I was reading something that USC has uh, the top top returning defensive production in the Pac-12 next year. Um, So Orlando will have some pieces to work with, um, and it just remains to be seen whether. Uh, the combination of him and Graham Harrell can make up for uh, Clay Helton's perennial underachievement.
2: Yeah. I w- you know, I talked to, well John Wilner wrote about it. Wasn't a big fan of the hire. He had messaged me asking me about it a little bit, but I, you know, I talked to a couple people from our Texas site and 24 seven sports network. They really liked them. Um, I talked to uh, uh, what's um, man. What's his name? Uh, he does the college football matrix of Dave Bartu and, uh, they rate like all these. You know, they use a lot of analytics, and they'll they'll con- they'll be consultants for like coaching hires, assistant coaching hires. He said he had Tarlando Tar- in his top tier for people that USC could hire. So some of the people like them, some people don't. I'll be you know usually go someplace and has a, a kind of a spike, and since you, you know Clay Helton's probably on a a one year and and do something great or you're out sort of situation that might be helpful to have a guy like that who can turn things around. So we'll see what they do. Yep. For sure. Uh, All right. So what we wanted to do for, that's all the topics we have, unless you had anything else, Dave.
0: I've got nothing else. I am a blank slate to be written upon.
2: Okay. So let's see. Tommy rasa, you might say. Nice. Uh, Let's just go over our uh, picks, preseason picks for the year. I got them pulled up in front of me. We'll go uh, basically reverse order of our final uh, Pac-12 Power Rankings. And go from there. So first up, we have the Arizona Wildcats. (laughs) Plus, it's another excuse to use the drops we haven't used for a while. Absolutely. Uh, Overall, Arizona went four and eight, two and seven in conference. Uh, We both had them five and seven. Uh, You had them uh, two and seven in conference. I had them uh, three and six in conference. But we both had them five and seven. Uh, we we got the Hawaii one wrong right to start off the, you know, right off the bat. Uh, you predicted a win over Texas Tech. I thought they'd lose that game. Uh, they end up winning that one. Um, I had wins over UCLA and Colorado, and they got both of those. You had them both as losses, so there was some interesting there. We both picked them to beat Arizona, Oregon State. That didn't happen. Um, you picked them to beat uh, ASU. That didn't happen. So, you know, we got some right. We got some wrong. Um, Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think um, Arizona being, um, I, so talking about this year is disappointing. I think it was just in kind of the the way it happened. Um, I wasn't expecting a ton from this year's team. Um, but, you know, Khalil Tate not really getting back to his form from two years ago was a disappointment. Um, you know, there was some noise in the preseason that he was starting to look like the Tate of old. And then I think, you know, against, I think it was against Hawaii where he you know kind of flashed some of that um but it just didn't come together consistently and and for that team to be good it really needed him to be uh incredible and we're, we're not really gonna know how much of it was tate trying to be a more of a passer how much of it was that ankle injury he had last year how much of it was Noel mazzoni just you know trying to fit everything into his um you know round hole of an offense but um yeah, uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's, uh, you know, as a fan of college football, it's kind of sad to see uh, the way the Khalil Tate experience kind of ended. Yeah. Um, dis- dissipating over the last couple of years. So it's just um, like all the um, potential in we'll the have, world. We'll, ha- we'll always have that incredible October. though.
2: Yeah. Four game stretch that was absolutely redonkulous. So, uh, all right, we'll move on. Uh, next up we have the UCLA Bruins. The Bruins went four and eight. Overall, four and five in conference. Uh, and we, I had the Bruins going, one, two, three, four, five and seven. You had the Bruins going seven and five. So I got this one uh, a lot closer than you. Although I started off pretty bad predicting win over Cincinnati, uh, win over San Diego State, and UCLA end up losing both of those games. Um, yeah. Yeah. We both uh, predicted a loss against Washington State. Of course, the Bruins won that one in the crazy game. Um, we both picked them to win beat Oregon State. They lost. <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, uh, weird ones there, but uh, yeah, no
0: no rhyme or reason to the UCLA football season. Um, yeah, this. Uh, so my my pick here was mainly based on the improvement they showed at the end of Chip Kelly's first year, um, thinking that they would um carry some of that forward especially offensively um and then they started the year you know kind of in the same boat offensively that they started in 2018 where they just looked completely out of sorts um it was sort of a mirror of the previous year because joshua kelly was also limited to start the year um 2018 he was limited because he kind of didn't really know what he was doing yet uh this year he was limited by injury and without him that offense looked like poo poo um And then uh, the defense, which we were all thinking, oh, it's more experienced. There's not so many, you know, freshmen playing on the defensive line this year. It's just going to be better. I mean, it doesn't, even if they don't change the scheme, it'll be marginally better. And it really wasn't. It was marginally probably worse. Um, The secondary took a complete nosedive. Um, The pass rush was only better in fits and bursts. And it certainly wasn't at the beginning of the year um and just generally the 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 play did not take the uptake that we thought it would given some you know linebacker health and some um older players on the defensive line so very disappointing year for ucla um and not not getting to a 500 record uh is is not a good sign going forward
2: between the buys you were perfect you predicted wins at stanford against arizona state and colorado and they won all those i predicted two wins for those but my, I finished my last five for UCLA, got them all right. So I got those two wins, ASU and Colorado, and then losses at Utah, at USC, and Cal. So uh, pretty good stretch towards the end we got for the Bruins. Um, but yeah, so you were off by what three games, and I was off by one there. So yep, a little yep, yep. busy. Now this one, I think you might make up for it uh, a little bit because this was a game. This was a team that you predicted to take a step back, and I didn't as much. Stanford Cardinal. I had the Cardinal with uh ten wins. <laughs> you had one, two, three, four, five, six wins. Uh they Stanford had eight, four wins and eight losses. So uh pretty big swing here. So there's a few games in your favor on this one. Yeah, I had them coming winning out of the gate. Uh they end up losing at USC, at UCF, and Oregon all in a row. That was so a, you
0: missed you missed the mark by my predicted win total. Yes. Yeah,
2: it was, uh, cool. this was a, uh, this was a bad one. I thought Stanford would take a step back or forward. They fell, not only just took a step back, they like fell backwards. They got blown over like a, one of those weather guys on the hurricane channel and just, just got blown away. Yeah, so,
0: and this one I thought was, I, I don't know, in retrospect, especially, but even at the time I thought it was, there were some obvious warning signs to me. I mean, just the simple fact that they returned basically nothing on offense besides quarterback and tight end. Um, that was a big concern for me. Um, the offensive line was turning over a lot. Um, and then defensively, they weren't returning all that much. Um, so i I looked at it as just that was not a good Stanford team, and then they lost a bunch of guys from that not good team. So what what's gonna be the end result? And they'd been they'd been propping up some like nine nine win seasons on some pretty subpar metrics underneath it all. Um, like they, they won nine games in a lot, nine and 10 games. I think the last couple of years where they shouldn't have, like they were not that good. Um, and I think it gave everyone a deceptive, um, impression of, of really Stanford's arc right now, which has been again, five straight years of downward trend.
2: Yeah. You know, they had seven home games this year. I thought that would, would help. Uh, it certainly did not. You had a good, like, especially towards the end, you predicted a win over Oregon state. Win over Washington, both those things came true. Uh, a, a loss to UCLA, that happened. Uh, a win over Arizona, that happened. Losses to Colorado and Washington State on the road, both those happened. Uh, you thought they beat Cal, they end up losing that game, and you thought they lose to Notre Dame. So you went, you know, down the stretch from week five on. You only missed one game for Stanford, so that was pretty good.
0: Nice, look nice. at
2: me. Uh, okay, next up we have Colorado Buffalo
0: Would you pick a,
2: here, Ryan? This wasn't so good either. Uh, Colorado finished five and seven, three and six in conference. Uh, I predicted two wins for the Buffs, and you predicted one, two, three, four wins for the Buffs. So both of us were wrong. So that's all that matters. Uh, uh,
0: I think this is closest to the pin challenge, my friend.
2: You were you were closest to the pin on this one. Uh, in the middle, you had losses. Well, I guess we both got these right. Uh, but you had. Lost at oregon Lost at washington state lost to usc uh lost at ucla and then you had a win over stamford which i had a loss there so that was uh that was a a good move um so there was a good little stretch there for you uh let's see we both had that win we both thought they'd lose to nebraska then end, uh, colorado ended up winning that game we thought they would beat air force they lost that game so we're you know wasn't the great we thought they'd lose to Arizona state they won that game so it was the beginning we weren't really on and then sort of uh towards the end uh I had a lot of losses in there and they mixed in a couple of wins that I didn't predict
0: yeah yeah wins over
2: Stanford and wins over Washington so uh those were kind of the crazy picks there
0: yeah and so I mean the early part of the year I think you could make a pretty fair claim that eh, they got a little bit lucky um the Nebraska game in particular um And, you know, Colorado State wasn't very good at the beginning of the year. I actually don't even know how they turned out. They might have been battle year. Um, And then it was the bad five game losing streak. But as the season went along, they really started to figure out their defense, which was a big part of why they were able to win back to back against Stanford and Washington Um, defensive. I mean, that defensive improvement, I was kind of poo pooing it even as late as I think the UCLA game. Um, But uh, that defensive improvement was real. And um, it's got to make you feel good, I think, about Mel Tucker. Um, The fact that the defensive coach was able to make a defensive impression uh, by the end of the season, because they were not good at all defensively at the beginning of the year, and they really did get better. So, um, you know, good sign, and they've been recruiting well. Um, So I think if you're a Buffs fan, you got to be pretty optimistic, because... I picked four and eight, and I think I was on the optimistic end of preseason predictions for the yes. Buffs this year. So to out, basically, they outperformed everybody's expectations for the Buffs, except for probably Buff faithful. Faithful, so um, probably pretty good sign for Mel Tucker, I would think.
2: Yeah. Speaking of outperforming expectations, our next team,
0: Oregon State Beavers. Uh-huh.
2: Now you knew this was going to go bad when we predicted the exact same thing for every game. And we felt that Oregon state would uh, win at Hawaii. That didn't happen. Uh, and beat Cal Poly, which did, but everything else, we had losses. We predicted two and 10 for the Beavs. Uh, the Beavs ended up five and seven, four and five in conference. So they won at UCLA. We didn't think that hap- would happen. They won, uh, beat Cal at home. Didn't think uh, that would happen. Beat Arizona on the road. Beat Arizona State at home, so all those we predicted losses and uh, they weren't. And then we all th- we both thought that they would beat Hawaii on the road. Nick Rolovich, now the Washington State coach, and uh, they lost. So we didn't do so well with uh, the Beavs.
0: I wasn't enough of a believer. Um, you know, it's it's sometimes tough to convince yourself to make the like radical choice. Like I was able to do it with Stanford. Like I'm like they're gonna suck. They're gonna be bad. Let's do it. With this one, we saw signs of it the previous year. Like that offense, it showed real flashes throughout the season. And I just wasn't able to pull the trigger on saying, "Okay, that offense is going to be enough that they're going to, you know, flirt with a bowl game. Um, But it was there. I mean, it was there to see. And then it just got significantly better this year um, and made us start thinking, wow, maybe Jonathan Smith was the key to Washington all along. Um, But yeah, that offense can go. Um, It's it's. You know, I'm excited to see what it's going to look like with a new quarterback um, and how they're going to adapt. But I mean, Jake Luton's 15th year on the job. I mean, it really flew.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, definitely promising for Colorado and for Oregon State. So we'll uh, probably have more wins tossed in on our predictions next year. Uh, moving on, now we have some teams that have made bowl games. We're going to talk about Washington State Cougars, and uh, these we were close. I predicted a seven and five regular season for the Cougs. You predicted a eight and four regular season. End up being a six and six regular season, three and six in conference, and they went on to uh, lose the Cheez It uh, Bowl to Air Force. So I was off by one, you are off by two. We were close. Um, you are maybe a little more optimistic on the Cougs than I was.
0: Yeah, this is one where I think they're um, what's called their second order wins, which is Bill Connolly's stat for like what they should have done, given like their key stats. They probably were an eight-win team like, from a statistical perspective. They just got super unlucky. They lost a two-point game to Oregon. They lost that insane game to UCLA where they had a, what was it? a 32 point lead at the end of the third quarter more or less. Um and they lost a four point game to Arizona State. Uh the games they won, they were typically blown teams out. So, you know, it, it it was a it was a probably an unlucky year. They were a better team than their record indicated, um and you're just going to lose some coin flips sometimes, and that's kind of what happened this year. Um, yeah, that... You know, they got they got dominated by Utah. Um, that definitely happened. Cal kind of really took it to them. The score doesn't really indicate how bad that one was. And Washington, once again, hammered them. But um, a few of those losses were kind of kind of iffy. Yeah,
2: that, that UCLA game was the one that I would have had this one pretty much nailed. I would have had two games that were flipped. But for the most part, I had Washington State down pretty good. But that UCLA 48-point comeback or where the heck it was, that didn't uh, that didn't help. Um, we both had, uh, Washington state winning that game. And of course they lost, uh, 63, 67
0: after leading 49, 17 (laughs) with like three minutes to go in the third,
2: pretty, 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 pretty crazy. All right. This is another one. Uh, not good. I think for either one of us, but uh, a little bit better for you. We have
0: Washington Huskies.
2: (laughs) I went and said, Hey, Huskies aren't going to lose. They're going to go 12 and 0 and you were not as optimistic you said they go 11 and 1 uh oh, that, boy. yeah that that didn't happen it was a 7 and 5 regular season for the huskies so we were not close on this one four and five losing record in conference of course chris peterson steps down and you got uh jimmy lake taking over uh washington did win the vegas bowl against uh, boise state 38 to 7 but This was my, you know, obviously my pick to go. I thought they'd go to the playoff. I thought they'd handle the Pac-12 and that was not the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, there's, there is an element here where they did, they were just on the the losing end of some coin flippy type games, but with their talent advantage over some of these teams, they probably shouldn't have been coin flip type games like Cal. They lost 19 to 20. Yeah. Um, As a 14 point
2: favorite. Uh, yeah
0: it shouldn't have been that close but it also was more or less a statistical coin flip um, Oregon that was just a close good game um, Stanford lost by four Stanford they were uh, 16 Stanford, point favorite. Stan- yeah th- that's the thing is Stanford beat them by 10 um, and just this offense struggled so hard to put drives together and there's just and this you know I, I think it's good that Chris Peterson decided hey you know what I might be done with this for a little while because it did seem like you know he's an offensive guy, and this offense is not working. Um, and Stanford, I thought, was one of the best examples of that. They scored 13 points in that game. Yeah, and that was a, that was not a good Stanford team no. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they scored 14 they, points
2: on the road against Colorado as a 14 and a half point favorite. Like, yeah, that's
0: they, the thing they lost. And they lost, lost by six three to games, Colorado. Yeah, lost they three lost games
2: where they were, they were two touchdown favorites. They lost three of those yeah. games like crazy.
0: So very disappointing year for Washington um, because with slightly more, I'm going to say innovative offensive coaching, but I really just mean, I mean, it sounds like stupid fan talk, but just better coaching, like just better offense. Like don't, don't do this stupid thing where you're like, uh, okay, we're going to roll out this way and we're going to have all this weird motion to get like four yards like, come on! There's there's easier and better ways to do this. There's lots of simple offenses out there that get the job done really quickly. Just just run a spread. Just do yeah. something else. Um, and they they didn't. And really, it was the offense that that cost them this year. Yeah. Um, because defensively, especially by the end of the year, I thought they looked really really good. Um, but offensively, just couldn't get it done. So hopefully, Donovan figures it out because this team was. Again, very close to being very good, but just needed to get a few more points here and there, and they just couldn't do it.
2: Nope. All right, next up we have
0: California Golden Bears.
2: Uh, So I had the Bears going six and six, making a bowl game. You had the Bears uh, five and seven, slightly under 500. It ended up being a seven and five season, four and five in conference. Uh, Cal did beat Illinois in the Red Box Bowl, so they end up eight and five. But I was off by one game, you were off by two, so we we're pretty close on this one.
0: And think about how much better it would have been if the MVP of the league had stayed healthy.
2: Yeah, no, that, I mean, coming out of the gate, win, 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 win. Uh, we both had losses at Washington, at Ole Miss. Cal won both of those games. Um, we thought they'd beat Arizona State. That's when uh, Garbers goes down, and they lose that game. By um, seven, by yeah, just th- seven. We thought they'd beat Oregon State, and uh, Garber's still out. They lose that game. Um, We thought they'd lose to Utah. We thought they'd beat Washington State. We both got that right. Um, Yeah, we had them uh, losing to Stanford, and uh, that didn't happen. But Garber's was back by that point, and then uh, I had them beating UCLA. You had them losing there, so I think that was the difference between our picks. But, yeah, without – if Garbers doesn't go down the middle of that season where they lose uh, four straight and five of six, uh, I think it's a whole different story.
0: Yeah. And especially, I mean, I, I don't want to get too crazy, but we are, we are talking about a seven point loss to Arizona state, a 10 point loss to Oregon and a four point loss to Oregon state. If Garbers is back for all three, they win at least one of those. Yeah, um, Probably the Oregon state game, obviously, but I mean, Arizona state's in play and frankly, Oregon was in play at that point. Um, so, it this is another I, I think the Pac-12 North was deceptively strong this year. I mean, it was obviously the the strength of the league again because Oregon won it all, but I think there were several teams here who were like what if teams, where if just one thing had gone right at a particular moment, um they were gonna I mean, Cal, Washington, and Washington State were each like a few bounces of the ball away from being nearly ten win teams. Yeah. Um so Yeah, I mean, I think the Pac 12 North was very, very strong this year, kind of deceptively so. All
2: right, next up, uh, I think we got four more teams left. Next up, we have Arizona
0: State Sun Devils.
2: (laughs) This is sort of just like Cal, but the opposite. I had ASU at five and seven, you had ASU at six and six, end up uh, seven and five, four and five in conference, and got a win over Florida State in the Sun Bowl. So, again, uh, I think we both had them losing at uh, Mississippi State. Um, wait, no, that was, I'm sorry, Michigan State. And uh, Arizona State got that win. We had them beating Colorado. Uh, they lo- they lose that game. We had them losing to Cal. They win that game. So, we've got some, some opposite stuff there. Uh, and then towards the end, we both had them beating Oregon State. Uh, Arizona State lost that game. And yeah, you didn't finish real strong there. You had losses to Oregon and Arizona, and they were both wins. So um, yeah, it wasn't we weren't great on predicting which games Arizona State was going to win, uh, but you were closer to the overall score six and six. I had five and seven, and it was seven and five.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you've got to give credit to Arizona State for the way they managed, especially at the beginning of the year, their offensive line situation. Um, going three and and0 to start the season when their offensive line was basically like me and you uh I was playing center and you were playing left tackle um which like wouldn't be great I don't think like a team doing that would win no. many games but Arizona State went 3-0 and um so you got to give them credit for that yeah um and then you know there were some ups and downs but one of the most exciting young players in the league and Jaden Daniels um really excited to see how he's going to grow um and yeah I mean Arizona State's recruiting its butt off so um the potential is there for Herm to actually break through. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do next year with a whole host of receiver talent. Hopefully, a little bit more health and, and quality play on the offensive line, and a sophomore Daniels. Um, that offense could be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, but it's gonna, you know, Herm's gonna have to keep the reins pretty loose and uh, and see what this uh, what this thing can do.
2: Yeah, a lot of uh, young receivers coming in, so that that could be really fun. Um, so I think we will both probably have ASU. Uh, going go a bowl this year, so no matter what. Um
0: I, 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 they're my early pick probably to win the South. Yeah.
2: I think there I, I think it's gonna be t- between USC and Arizona State, I think, to win the South. But you know, Utah's still gotta be in there just losing a lot. But we'll see. We'll see what spring ball holds and all that, and then we'll get to that. Uh next up we have
0: USC Trojans.
2: We both had the Trojans at seven and five, and uh Trojans finished eight and four, eight and five after a loss to the uh Iowa Hawkeyes in the Holiday Bowl. Um, I'm trying to look for some, some stretches. You had uh, a win over Stanford, I did not, and uh, they end up beating Stanford. You actually start off, they start, yeah, you had um the first. Wow, the, you had them all right in the beginning. So beating Fresno State, beating Stanford, losing at BYU, you had that one, that's good, beating Utah. Um, losing at Washington, losing at Notre Dame, beating Arizona, beating uh, Colorado on the road, losing to Oregon. You had all these games exactly right. And then uh, you just had the Arizona State game wrong. And then you wins over Cal and you see like, wow. So you got them all right, except for. uh, Except for
0: a five point win over Arizona State.
2: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Hey. Uh, that's that. that's pretty good we had some different ones there like I had them losing to Stanford beating BYU that was reversed uh I had them losing to Utah that didn't happen for the, the other ones we all had the same but there was a couple in the beginning I had mixed and then uh, I actually had them beating Arizona State which they did so we uh end up getting the exact uh same number there so
0: really gutty I think season for Ch- for Clay Helton um just getting through all of that, having to play three quarterbacks, you know, having to play a bunch of freshmen um, yeah you know, obviously to, to win to win eight games with that sort of schedule and that's you know being being so down talent wise compared to your competition because you're playing so much youth um, and not having experience at quarterback um, you know I always say experience Trump's talent any day. Um, and you know, it's going to be exciting to see a Keaton Slovis when he gets a little bit older. Um, but for now work in progress, you know, not, not great. Um, all right. I can't keep it up. Um, yeah, so (laughs) it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a USC year. I mean, if you took the label off the team, you'd say, okay, whatever. It was a whatever year, um, for USC though, obviously another grievous disappointment, um, eight and four with again, this is probably the last year you could definitively claim it, but I think you can still definitively claim it for this year—the most talented team in the league. Yes, um, and going eight and four uh, with that schedule, and and some of these, the losses that they're taking, uh, not great. No, not great. USC,
2: not great at all. Then getting blown out by Iowa in the ballgame, game, uh, not good. All right, next up we have just two left. We have Utah Utes. Uh, the Utes finished eleven and one in the regular season, but lost to Oregon in the title game and then lost to Texas in the Alabama Bowl to go eleven and three. So it was really a eight and one conference schedule before the title game, and then eleven and one overall. I nailed it. Picked it eleven and one for the Utes. Uh, I had the USC game wrong, and I had their at Washington uh, game wrong. You had the USC game right, but you also had the loss at Washington. So um yeah, so you were you predicted ten and two, I predicted eleven and one. So I got this one right. You were just off by one. So we had Utah down pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think we both had it pretty spiritually correct, which is Utah was gonna be damn good this year, and they were. Um, I don't think I had predicted how dominant they would be, especially in the middle stretches of the year when they were just tattooing everybody um, crushed Oregon State and that was or let's start with I think it was Washington State where the run really started crushed Washington State 38-13. crushed Oregon State 52 to 7 crushed ASU 21 to 3 and that was a deceptive 21 to three like they really beat the life out of them and then beat the hell out of Cal 35 nothing um, then beat Washington and then got right back to it with 49 to 3 over UCLA and then 35 to 7 over Arizona Um just a absolutely dominant showing from them, yeah. Um, in the middle stretches of the season, so. But then losing
2: thirty-seven to fifteen to Oregon in the title game, and thirty-eight ten to Texas, you know that w- wasn't a great finish to the season.
0: Yeah, they've just got to move it. They've got to continue to move that dominance. So I think it was last year or the year be- the the year before this they had a really dominant October and then it kind of fell off in November. Yeah. This year they got it all the way through like the middle stretches of November. They just needed to carry it through like another week and they would have been fine. Yeah. Just got to carry that dominance through. Um, but that, I mean, the obvious thing is um, when they were faced with significant athletic talent, um, Utah struggled to match up. Um, I think recruiting has gone pretty well this cycle. They need to recruit some more just athletic ability because um, they get a ton out of coaching. They get a ton out of development. Um, but when they're matched up against a bunch of receivers who are all super athletic and great, the defense does not hold up as well. Um, and they just they need a little bit more ability. Um, they've got a ton and they've got a ton of coaching ability, and they're gonna win way more than they should every year given their talent level. So don't take this as a knock on Whittingham, but they definitely need to upgrade the talent level. Yeah. If they wanna, I mean if They want to consistently be where they were this year, which is competing for the conference title, um, and potentially a uh, bigger prize than that.
2: Agree with you there. Uh, we got our last team, the uh Pac 12 champs
0: Oregon Ducks,
2: and the Ducks went 10 and 2 in the regular season, but ended up 12 and 2 with a win over Utah in the title game, and then a win over Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, which I was there and actually remember that. So, 10 and 2, yeah, 10 and 2 eight and one, uh, in conference. I predicted a nine and three regular season. You predicted an eight and four regular season. So again, I just edged you on this one. We both had them winning at ASU. They lost that game. Um, you had them losing to Washington state. We both had them losing at Washington. They won that game. Um, we both predicted a loss at Stanford, not didn't happen. And, uh, we had the beginning part of the schedule, right? Losing, uh, at AT&T stadium against Auburn and then beating Nevada and Montana.
0: Yeah, I was a, I was a big crystal ball skeptic coming into this year and I'm not like completely off that, but I think he proved his chops more than I thought he, he proved that he had more chops than I thought he had. That's not, that's not correct, but we're just going to roll with that phrasing. Cause I got nothing, um, and i i think he proved himself a little bit more um to me i mean not that it matters who gives a shit what i say but um i i was i was pretty skeptical of him as a coach at the beginning of the year and i thought they would underperform relative to their talent and they really didn't um they performed at the level of their talent maybe a little bit of outperforming um you know beating washington was a really nice win um they handled Auburn in that game for long stretches of it. And just some kind of, well, and this speaks to Chris Some clock mismanagement didn't help them at the end of that game. Um, but that was a game where they easily could have beaten Auburn. Um, and if that happens they're in the, you know, in the conversation at the end, um, obviously a disappointing loss to Arizona state on the road. Um, and that'll, you know, knock things down a little bit, but dominant win over Utah and a really nice win in the Rose Bowl over Wisconsin, Really nice year for Cristobal, Um, and uh, it's as they continue to stack talent there, it's going to be really interesting to see how far he can take this thing Um, because, no, I'm not going to stack him up against the greatest tacticians in the game, but I think he proved this year he's at least competent, Um, and if you're at least competent and you you have that much talent, you're going to win a lot of games. You just are, so it's going to be fun to see.
2: Cool. I didn't keep track of everything. I think you probably would have won because there was like two bigger ones that I missed, but I, I think I won more. I had more that I got closer to on and I had won exactly right, but a couple that I was like way off on. So that's eh, close, whatever. But what
0: was the what was the record on picks this year again?
2: Uh I was forty one fifty one and one. You were 45 and one. So
0: Okay. Okay. So one of us was over 500 and six games ahead of the other one? Is that? Yes. Is that, that, that matches your recollection? Okay. That,
2: that was, yes. So okay. it's good. You know, one out of four years.
0: We can, we can pull out other, like, if you want to just find other ways that like you did a little bit better than me, we can find like other games and stuff. If that, <laughs> if that helps. um But in the, in the grand, you know, picks contest that we do every year, just wanted to reiterate for maybe new listeners out there, um you know just how much I crushed you it was good uh, just putting it blunt
2: there was a lot of listeners that were writing in like hoping you could win one of the years in the pick contest because you had you you had won one one uh, so look, I'm they not, were very I'm not happy.
0: here to talk about I'm not here to talk about the distant past <laughs> I'm here to talk about the now and the like immediately previous to now and that's it nice eyes forward except when we're looking just directly back okay sounds
2: good all right let's take a quick break we'll come back and answer your questions.
1: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations, so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology,
2: real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions, and we're gonna do our questions. Um, so I thought that was good. We needed to do a little recap. I don't, I don't like it when people make predictions all the time. And then you never know if they're right or not. Like I need, if we make predictions, I want us to go over if we were right or wrong. Cause otherwise what's the point? You know, like people well, see, no, get stuff no, wrong see, all the time.
0: Is, this is your problem. You haven't established a brand like me because people know when I say something it's wrong. <laughs> and if you just establish that brand, then you don't need to revisit your picks because oh. people will just assume going forward. Oh yeah. Whatever he said that was wrong.
2: Yeah. I don't
0: know. Even if I'm right, it's usually for the wrong reasons.
2: <laughs> Fair point. Uh, all right, well, let's jump into some emails. We got one from Jeremy, and it's about Pac-12 team strengths. I don't know if we're going to be able to do this now. We can try. Uh, I like this. Because <laughs> we never we prepare. <laughs> might... Well, this is like, yeah, this is going to be a lot. Like So, so he's from uh, Jeremy from Mapleton, Utah. I think you did this exercise a few years ago, and it was fun and interesting. Please select... A Pac-12 team, by using the nine position groups and three coaching strengths. The game is you have to use every team once. Oregon would be an obvious choice for their best offensive line last year, but that would mean you couldn't use them for recruiting. I was thinking you could do it based on last season, uh, but there's a real possibility the two of you don't remember anything from last year. So you could do it also based on what you believe is the strength of the program based on reputation and expectations each year. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe it's better to do last year. Or we might
0: be able to do it. We could try it. We
2: could kind of do last year. So I think this is one of those situations where you have to kind of go through the teams that aren't as strong and what do they do best? Because there's, you know, like in Oregon, you could, there, there's
0: multiple options, you know? All right. I'm pasting it into our doc. Okay. So I would say because they're the premier recruiting power in the league right now, and. Recruiting is so important. I'm going to take Oregon off the board at recruiting. Okay. I think that makes the most sense.
2: All right. Well, they they usually have the best offensive line. Who would you say is the best offensive line then outside of, of Oregon? Like Stanford could get it sometimes, but I don't think it would be this year, this past year. No, not
0: recently. Um, geez. Washington's was pretty good, wasn't it?
2: You could go Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could do that.
0: Uh, I don't feel great about that. I would prefer to use them for defense. Um, okay, we'll hold on offensive line for now. Okay, um, let's take care of like the big key ones, which are player development and recruiting. I'd say player development. I'm going. I'm going Utah. There.
2: I would think so, but there's you could go special teams for Utah. You could go in game. I mean, there's a lot you could do for Utah, but I I like Utah for player development.
0: I I don't love them for in game coaching either. Um, in-game coaching. Who would we be talking there? I'm, all I ever do is, like, just shit all over these
2: coaches. I mean, Arizona State was winning a bunch of close games. Like, I don't know. Would you yeah,
0: want to? I don't know if I can give it to Herm. Um, who's making, like, optimal, like, fourth down decisions? Um, honestly, like. I mean, okay, Washington State would go it. for
2: it, but they 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 were terrible in their bowl game, going for fourth downs, if I remember correctly.
0: You could talk me into chip. You could talk me into UCLA here. Now, that's not to say UCLA is any good um, because they've hopelessly mismanaged the roster and are probably running the wrong schemes and everything. But like from a tactical perspective, I like that I because know. where are we going to put them otherwise? Yeah, no, <laughs> UCLA. You're <laughs> in <And> game coaching. <laughs> Right, like, um, and I'm an really spot, only saying, them... and I'm really only saying, offensive coaching. Um, given the like awful scheme he's decided to run, yeah.
2: Do you want to um, you want to do Arizona State at special teams? Was that was am I was that even good? Were they good, Michael Turk? I, uh, wait, I mean, Utah's the obvious one. I thought ASU was pretty good. They, they had uh, the kicker uh, Brandon Ayuk would return some kicks. Maybe maybe ASU. I don't know
0: oh this is terrible you know we should do this at a different date
2: you think well we could let's just we're, let's just try to fill it out just all for right fun. all right
0: all right quarterbacks um i might go usc here
2: i think you might want to do wide receivers usc but you could do... yeah, yeah
0: yeah you're right you're right you're right usc for wide receivers and then we want to do asu for quarterbacks then uh, no no Chase second... garbers cal should we do no, cal, cal, for cal i think has
2: to maybe be secondary like <laughs> or washington <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's do secondary Cal.
2: Um, See, defensive line, that could be Utah, but it's not. We could do. uh, Who would be the best defensive line?
0: I mean, historically, I'd go like a Washington here for. We've already picked Utah. This might be more the Washington pick. Okay. Uh, Tight ends, I don't even know how to separate that out. I guess Stanford. Screw it! Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Colby Yeah, he was that's good. perfect. <laughs> um, do you want
2: to do Oregon State for linebackers? Didn't they have the dude that uh, was sure? Yeah, you
0: know, Hamilcar Rashid. Yeah. Um, uh, we we're, we're 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 rapidly losing interest in this exercise. <laughs> All right, so for quarterbacks then we have remaining Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Colorado. Nope. Um, and uh, Washington State. Washington State.
2: Yeah, Washington State's perfect there.
0: Even in the role of a chair, I'm going to say, Washington State. All right, so then we've got ASU, Arizona, and Colorado for OL.
2: Do you want to do ASU for running backs? Yeah, Colorado offensive line, maybe do that. ASU running backs.
0: And then that leaves Arizona for special teams?
2: (laughs) I think they were pretty terrible, weren't they?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. All right. Yeah. our all pac 12 team is... uh, for quarterbacks, Washington State. For offensive line, Colorado. Running backs, ASU. Wide receivers, USC. Tight end, Stanford. Defensive line, Washington. Linebackers, Oregon State. Secondary, California. Special teams, Arizona. In-game coaching, UCLA. <laughs> but only, only on offense. Um Recruiting, Oregon. And player development, Utah. Oh. All
2: right, Jeremy. Hopefully, uh so write us and tell us why. Those are dumb or if you have any different suggestions. But thanks for that one, Jeremy. That was kind of cool. That
0: was fun. Yeah. Um, All right. This is from uh, Peter in Vancouver. Gentlemen, uh, first a clarification about your discussion last week regarding taxes in Oregon. If a person lives in Washington but works in Oregon, they must pay Oregon income tax. The way to avoid taxes is to live and work in Washington and then shop in Oregon. But even that doesn't work completely since, for example, you must prove that you've paid sales tax on a car before it can be registered in Washington. All right. Yeah, I knew I had it somewhat wrong, but that certainly clarifies. Yeah. Uh, next, I was hoping to have a little more detail on my question from last week about what it will take to get a Pac-12 team back in the playoffs, not just, quote, play better. So for the three or four teams that you might thought might have had a chance of making the playoffs, USC, Oregon, Washington, and maybe ASU, compared to 2019, where does each team need to improve in order to play better? Here are some options. Rank these in order of importance for each of the teams. Strength and conditioning, coaching and player development, game planning and game decision-making, offensive execution, defensive execution, and special teams execution. Jeez. So you want to... Well...
2: That's a lot to think about for four teams.
0: Well, and a lot of these are interrelated. Um, Like, what is... So, coaching, player development. Do you mean, like, coaching, development? Or do you mean coaching and player development? Because game planning um in-game decision making those are both part of coaching as well. Yeah.
2: Let's go. So, Oregon's like the obvious choice here. So, I think offensive execution needs to get better for sure. Um I don't know about strength and conditioning, player development. I mean, I think everything, I mean, we want to see better offensive execution. That would probably be the highest priority for Oregon. Would you agree? Or?
0: Offensive execution and honestly, in game decision making. Because yes. if some oh, of their yes. clock management, if some of their clock management is just a little bit better, they might make the playoff this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say those two things. But if you figured those two things out, I think Oregon, Oregon's one of few teams in the league where I think if they got on the field with uh, one of these playoff teams, they wouldn't look out of place athletically. Um they wouldn't look like a complete joke out there. Yeah. Um, I think Oregon can claim that. I think Washington can get there to an extent. And I think USC always sorta has that, but um I mean USC Oregon would, might have the best combo. Yeah, I
2: think Oregon has the best combo. USC would need the offensive execution is fine. They need better defensive execution, special teams execution in game decision making, game planning. Coaching player development and strength and conditioning. So they would need a bottom Honestly,
0: the the USC thing and the big limiting factor for them is that they have a bad head coach. um, And the head coach is a trickle effect. Um, He has too much of a hand in offensive game planning and what they're coaching and what they're doing. He has too much of a hand in how he's directing the strength and conditioning program. He has too much of a hand in how he's directing practice. Um, You know, whether or not they're practicing in pads, how hard they're practicing on a particular day. That's all tone setting by the head coach. So if you changed USC's head coach overnight to urban Meyer or somebody of that ilk, uh, USC would be a playoff team within a couple seasons. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe even this year. Um, and honestly, this year, again, looking at some of the stuff, this is going to be a USC hype train off season. 100%. They're returning a ton. Um, so, when you think about all those running backs who had to play this year, suddenly they're returning like four running backs who all played a lot last year. Um, They're returning. Well, as JT Daniels coming back, it sounds like he is right. Yeah. He's not he, he probably
2: won't be healthy until the fall, but he'll be back.
0: Yeah. So he's going to compete in the fall, but you're going to have multiple quarterbacks who played this year um and played well. I mean, it's if, if it was, just Coach A and not Clay Helton, who was coaching that team, I think people would get very excited about this year. So they've got the talent. They've got the returning production. Um, Washington, I think it's really about that offensive execution. Um, For sure. If if they figure it out offensively, I think the defense was coming into its own by the end of the year, um, back to Washington form. Um, If their offense ever can get back to that Browning team level, which was all about just the game planning, the coaching, and having one— you know, really great talent at wide receiver and John Ross. Um, if they can get back to that, I mean, yeah, they're a playoff team because they were a playoff team. Um, and then ASU, I think it's just more uncertain. We have to see, we have to see them have actually a clearly very good year before we can start talking about them as a playoff team. Um, maybe they make that jump overnight, but it's hard to predict. I mean, they have to get better everywhere. Yeah.
2: And you could, I mean, you could even throw like a Cal in there. If you're going to throw ASU, you could probably throw a team like Cal. I mean, they're, you know, who knows, but. Uh, a lot, a lot would need to get done. Yeah, uh, we got a text message, uh, no name, but it was uh, from the the Bay Area. Uh, it said I think that email from Shane last episode about Wazoo having only played one Power Five out of conference team ever at home. He means and an absurd f- a seven to one home and homes, where one was at Husky Stadium. Might be my favorite on-topic listener email ever. It was it was pretty awesome. Uh, with that being said, let's get off topic. If each Pac-12 coach were a dog, what breed would they be? And the bonus question, which Pac-12 coach's first name works best as a dog name? Thanks for all you do, Ryan. <laughs> oh, maybe he meant—maybe that's—I thought he was thanking me, but maybe it's from Ryan. What do you think?
0: No, no, no. I think he was just talking to you. Okay. Um— If each Pac-12 coach dog... You know what the shocking part is? I'm pretty sure we've gotten this question before. I think we have. Like, literally this question. That is how far gone our listeners and, obviously, this podcast is in the off-season. I think we've done this one. Yeah. I I don't think I can do it again, because I I think the thing I said then is the same thing I'll say now. I don't think I know that many dog breeds.
2: Right. Um. All right, so is Mario a good dog name?
0: No, Chip's a good dog name.
2: Okay, Kyle is not a good dog name.
0: Clay? Hmm? No, I don't think Clay's a good dog name. Herm, um,
2: come here, Herm. Herm. Come here, Herm. Good boy, Herm. Ke-
0: Kevin, Kevin was a dog in some movie. Yeah. Um,
2: Justin's not a good name.
0: Justin's not a good dog name. David's not a good dog name.
2: Jimmy's not a good dog name. Jonathan's not a Jonathan's good dog name. Jonathan's not a
0: good dog name. Um, uh, Mel, Nick, Nick,
2: Nick or Mel. Hmm.
0: I could see Mel being a dog name, maybe, but I think Chip's the winner.
2: Yeah, I. I yeah, Kevin's not. I. Yeah, I think. I think it's Chip we got to go with Chip. Yeah.
0: yeah. Nice. All right. Cool. 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 All right. This is uh, another one from 480 this time, but also no name. Uh, hello, Ryan. Hello, Dave. I just made an $800 bet with my friend. We set ASU's regular season win total at eight and a half. I took the over. He took the under. What do you think? Am I royally fucked? Is eight and a half a fair number? What would you guys put the regular season win totals at for USC and mm-hmm. UCLA? oh sure why don't we do this all right so asu football schedule 2020 all right um so knowing like very little um not having done any deep dives into anybody in the offseason okay so i'll run through asu you tell me what you think okay okay northern arizona opener yeah win win at unlv win win uh byu at home win win at usc
2: I mean that's tough. Tough I, opener, yeah. it's Tough like, conference opener. It is uh, on the road. I think it's. I think it's a coin flip. Uh, I'll say loss.
0: Yeah, taking the L there. Uh, Oregon State at home, win. Yeah. UCLA at home, win. win. Yeah. And then a bye week. So an evenly split bye week, right in the middle of the season. That's pretty great. All right, so we've got about five and one at that point. Uh, two and one in conference. All right, at Colorado.
2: I I think it can be a win. Yeah
0: coin flip for me. But yeah, um at Washington State.
2: I Just don't know enough about them, but I, I maybe they split those two games. So let's, I'll say loss.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say they're back-to-back coin flips. Um Cal at home should be a win. They should be favored by a decent amount in that one. Yeah. Um and then at Oregon probable loss. loss. Yeah. Um Utah at home probable win. Yeah. Cuz it's going to be a down a little bit down for Utah and then at Arizona should be a win. So I think it's over for the 8 and 5. 8 8.5. So it's 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 two games that we're saying are probable losses at USC at Oregon, two coin flips and then a lot of probable wins. Um so yeah, I mean I think that would work out to for us about a 9 and 3.
2: Yeah, 9 and 3 seems about right. So I like that.
0: Yeah. Okay, so 9 and 3 for that and then um The other part was USC and UCLA. All right, so let's look at USC. All right, so I'll run down USC the same way. Um, And so this is the one where it's tricky because we have to take Clay Helton into account. Um, Because if you just think about talent, which you often do with these off-season things, you think, oh, wow, they could stand a chance in a lot of these games. But then you have to remember, wait, Clay Helton's their head coach. Okay, opening with uh, Alabama neutral site. Lost. (laughs) <laughs> big L, big loss. Yeah. Uh New Mexico at Wait. home. Yeah, win, but will be trickily close. Like, like it'll be annoyingly close for a lot of USC fans. Um, at Stanford,
2: uh, win. I think they're not that good.
0: Yeah, win. Uh, Arizona State. We just said was a win. Yeah, at Utah, A loss. I think. I think Utah
2: takes a step back, but. They're they're tough to beat there.
0: God. This is one where the Clay Helton effect comes in for me because right. yeah, you're I think they should beat Utah. Utah's not going to be very good this year. Um, but it's USC under Clay Helton. So yeah, I'll take the loss there. Uh Cal at home. Uh I guess win. Win. Uh at Arizona. Win. Before a bye week. Probably win, yeah. Win. All right, so five and two at that point. Uh, then Colorado at home, uh, go win. At Oregon, loss, big loss. Um, then Washington at home. Huh. I mean they
2: beat Washington on the road last year. I'll, I'll go win.
0: We're they're going to take a hard L right there. Okay, big loss. All right, big uh, time loss because uh, this is going to be in full clay collapse territory. Okay, all right, I'll take uh, it. At UCLA, at the Rose Bowl, uh, probably win probably win and then notre dame at home loss yeah i'll say that too all right so we've got them um, losing uh either four or, at, or five games so bama utah oregon and notre dame are the consensus ones and then washington is mine so i say seven and five you say eight and four so we so should go seven and a half say it's seven and a half yeah um and then ucla all right, so UCLA in 2020, uh, they have New Mexico State to open the season. Got to win that one. Got to think that's a win. And plus, UCLA's now, been
2: really good in the out-of-conference games the last couple of years, right? They,
0: <laughs> how many How many out-of-conference games do you think they've won in the last two years, right? If you had to guess.
2: Uh, at least like five, right? Something like that, I would guess.
0: Maybe a little bit lower? Uh, four? No. Nope. Keep going. Three? The answer is zero. <laughs> I know
2: that. <laughs> so beautiful. It is um, so so loss obviously for this one you can't. can't well, worry.
0: I I think New Mexico State's bad enough that they can win that one. Okay. All right then at but then at Hawaii.
2: Ooh, but no Nick Rolovich. I'll I'll say the Bruins win.
0: They lose. They lose to Hawaii, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Uh, then a bye week. Wait, that's a, that's at, against Todd Graham. Yeah.
2: Okay. And you, then
0: then a bye week. Then at San Diego State.
2: Uh, they had coaching turnover too, but I'll say loss for that one. But I'll say they'll beat Hawaii.
0: Yeah, that's another loss. All <laughs> right, so that's one and two in non-conference play. Uh, Stanford at home. Uh, it's win, win. Yeah. Uh, Arizona at home. I'll go win. Um, I think Arizona's a little disarray. Sure. All right, so that's three and two now. Uh, at ASU. Loss. That's a loss, yeah. At Colorado. I think it might be a loss. Loss. Uh, by week. Utah
2: at home. Uh, I think it'll be a loss.
0: I'll call that one a win. Oh, um, all right. At, at Oregon State.
2: I think that'll be a loss. That's going to be a big loss.
0: That's going <laughs> to be losing by like 40 points. Oh, my God. I'm calling it now Saturday, November 7th. Please mark this down on your calendars. Dave Woods said UCLA is going to lose this one by 40. Wow. All right. It's going to happen. Uh, Washington State at home. Mm, I'll go win. After losing by 40 to Oregon State, I think they're going to be tanking pretty hard. I think Washington State kills them. Okay. Um, USC at home. I said loss already, so yeah. Yeah, life will get crushed out of them. And then at Cal on the Friday short week of Thanksgiving week. Loss. Yeah, big loss. All right, so I've got 40. <laughs>
2: And what do I have, five and seven?
0: I think you had five and seven. So
2: four four and a
0: half? You might have had six and six. Wait, what were you doing? You said New Mexico State, Hawaii wins. I said lost. And then you had, did you have lost to Stanford? uh, No, you had wins, Stanford and Arizona. You had lost to Arizona State, lost to Colorado. Yeah.
2: Maybe I had six and six. Okay. I think you had six and six. So over under
0: five. Five. All right. So we're saying five for that one.
2: Yeah. All right, cool. There we go. Nice. Next one we have Oregon versus FCS Glossover from Alfred, and he's including a I think this is a Game of Thrones picture of a somewhat naked woman that's all bloody and stuff, look like walking through the streets.
0: Yeah, it's Cersei if for those people out there, it's Cersei walking through the streets after getting like stoned and stuff.
2: Oh, okay. Um, Shame. she's got short, like blonde hair or yeah. like good dyed thing. Uh yeah. good morning. Just thought I'd inform you, as I'm sure many will. I don't think, Alfred, many will. It's just going to be you. uh, That you quickly glossed over Oregon's Week 1 matchup against an FCS team while failing to acknowledge that said team is North Dakota State. The Bison have won three FCS national championships in a row and eight out of the past nine. The Bison deserve more respect from you two. Shame! Love the show. Alfred.
0: What do you think? Um
2: no. <laughs> it's still an FCS school.
0: Yeah, I mean if Oregon has any trouble with North Dakota State, they've got more problems. Um yeah, I mean North Dakota State, uh never schedule them. I think that's probably bad scheduling by Oregon, but yeah, whatever.
2: I mean you got Oregon has what, FCS. twenty more scholarships than than uh the bison do, and they just won the Rose Bowl and they you know, I got five stars all over the place. Like if you're talking yeah, don't lose that game. This is because it's Oregon. Like, if we're talking about North Dakota State and they were playing uh, Stanford, we would talk about it. We'd be like, yeah, that that could be a loss. Easy.
0: But it's, Well, I do want to—point of order, point of order. I had no idea Oregon was playing North Dakota State. Oh, it really? was referred to as an FCS team in the email we got.
2: Oh, okay. I thought it was we were looking at the— uh...
0: No, I don't think we were even looking at the schedule. Or okay. At least I wasn't. So I had no idea they were even playing them. But knowing that— Dumb scheduling. I wouldn't do that if I was Oregon. There's no reason to yeah. schedule in North Dakota State. Go schedule one of the other Dakotas. Yeah. They're, they're like still pretty decent, but at least they're not North Dakota State. But no, they shouldn't have trouble with that. If they do, then they're not a real contender.
2: No. And North Dakota State, like I said, they're really good. That we would talk about that.
0: They're really good in FCS. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And they'll beat up on a Kansas or a Kansas State occasionally or whatever they play, but they're not going to be Oregon. No. They, they should not hang with Oregon. And if they do, then that's a, that's a, Bad commentary on Oregon. Yes. Um. All right. This is Mike from Foshier, Texas. Nice. I guess. All right. Ryan Hart, Oregon. Ryan loves Oregon. Ryan, I just listened to the last podcast of Champions, and I could have sworn that you claimed Ohio State would be looking for a new quarterback. Unless I missed something, Justin Fields can't leave till 2021. But more shocking than that statement was the amount of love you showed Oregon. I almost thought you drooled over them as much as you do your number one school, Cal. Do you seriously believe an Oregon team with a first-year quarterback starter is an even match for Ohio State, even with the game in Eugene? With Herbert, they barely beat Wisconsin, a team that uh, Ohio State beat twice handily. Handily. Uh, I love the podcast, but maybe you should avoid that secondhand smoke that is now legal in California. Mike from Fool. Hey, Mike.
2: I, I don't remember saying Justin Fields leaving. That was a complete mistake. I mean, he's one of the favorites to win the Heisman next year, so... If I had another quarterback on the brain, I apologize for that. I don't don't recall, um, but I I think Oregon playing in Eugene will give Ohio State a really good game. You know, Ohio State loses guys like Chase Young, and I mean, there's definitely some, you know losses on both sides, uh, but Ohio State does return you know a quarterback that looked really good all year, and they were this close from making it to the the final uh, against LSU. And I, I, I thought they outplayed Clemson for most of that game, but you know, it's going all the way to uh, Eugene, you know, starting the, the season off and, and Oregon does have that tune up against a really good FCS school. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's being, I'm pretty optimistic on Oregon, just the way they've coached the way they you know, bring in a guy like Joe Moorhead bringing in the top players in California, like USC used to do. Uh, they got, they got athletes. And of course, uh, or, I mean, Ohio State has a ton of athletes, but I, I think this will be a pretty good game just from early on. I don't know, we'll see after we see spring football and all that stuff And uh, but from right now I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, circle that one. That's the one you're looking forward to all year long. Cool. Uh, but I, I'm not, a, I, didn't, I don't know if I got some secondhand smoke but it's now legal in California, so. But thanks Mike in Texas. Full share Texas. Uh, let's see, this one we got Hithloday. Uh technically what
0: is that? I think you're probably looking for an Ateocles. I'm, I'm not great on my Greek. Um
2: Ateocles' funeral.
0: A, I wanna say this is a reference to Antigone, the um, the Greek play.
2: Maybe you can Google it. Alright. Uh Ateocles funeral. So it's from Hithloday. last. I
0: will I will do I will do that. Hang on.
2: Okay. Because maybe that might give us some context of what we're reading here.
0: All right. So Ateocles' burial was... Uh, all right. So he was buried in, with honor um, after he and his brother killed each other in a duel. Whereas Polynices was left to rot.
2: Was that the brother?
0: Um Yes.
2: I don't recall this at all, so I'm not sure what the
0: hard to say. Hard to okay. say. This was this was an obscure one. I'd have to go way back into my like tenth grade <laughs> English routine, and I just can't do it right now.
2: So, but he of the two brothers, he was the one that had a uh, a more distinguished burial, I guess you could say. He was buried with honor. Okay.
0: yeah. Last week, your
2: Twitter account linked to 247's Huffman and Angulo uh, podcast. I think he means discussing the Polynesian bowl. I assume this was Ryan as our resident Bernie bro uses Twitter exclusively to reflect on the unfathomable abyss of UCLA basketball. You are correct. I yeah, did retweet that, that, that. True. I from the the PAC 12 account. Uh, that podcast reflected on Oregon's eight poly bowl signees and commented that crystal balls, aggressive recruiting is good for the conference as a whole, as it shakes up, what may be a complacent league in this regard. I've seen the same general point made in a few places on Podcast Ain't Played Nobody and the Wilner piece about the votes for players of the year that supposedly Cristobal's methods make him the odd duck in this league and he garners resentment from overly comfortable coaches who need a kick in the pants. I'm not sure I buy it. I think any uh, successful team guarantees its own recruiting momentum and it's generates, I'm I'm sorry, generates its own recruiting momentum and its own grievances. What do you boys think?
0: Um, it's, it it, it is, there is a chicken or egg thing going on there, but I do think the crystal ball recruiting talk was even, that was a thing before Oregon was to its current state. I mean, before it was really good. Um, and on the flip side, there are some programs in the league who are notably recruiting as if it's like, I don't know, mid nineties Pac twelve still. Yeah, like UCLA for example, like literally recruiting as if you know, like landlines are still the most important way to contact <laughs> anybody. Um, but so I could see. I I don't know specifically if UCLA resents Cristobal. I don't know. I don't know about any of that narrative. Um, and I'm sure Huffman and and. Blair know a lot more than I do about it but um I, I I can definitely see him being the most energetic recruiter in the league and that being true and that being a part of why they are so successful not um not the result of their success if that makes sense and if, if I'm getting at what he's saying correctly which is I think any successful team generates its own recruiting momentum I mean I think a big part of what Oregon is doing right now is based off their recruiting momentum the fact that they have gotten so much talent into the program the last couple of years I think is a big part of why they're good now so it's a it's the classic chicken or egg um what came first but um I think for Cristobal he's he's recruiter first and he's turning into I think you know a, a rapidly improving coach at least in my estimation yeah
2: I would agree with you there I think when you look at what SEC teams need to do to compete uh Mario Cristobal is trying to do that with Oregon too taking it to another level where I don't think you see the relentless you know 24 hours a day 365 days a year kind of recruiting that's we're that's going on at Oregon especially in California with uh many of the other programs Uh, you know you saw that with Pete Carroll and USC there was a competitiveness there that they didn't want to lose a recruit to anybody that's gone like that's not there with Clay Helton uh you, you talked about it with Chip Kelly there's just not that we're going to throw everything at every 16-year-old out there. And, you know, it's more about evaluations and things like that. That's not what Cristobal is doing. He's like, who are the best players? We're going to go after them. And I think you smell blood in the water, and especially in Southern California, when USC and UCLA are both not recruiting those five-star guys. So is Oregon going to get them, or is it Clemson? Clemson just picked up two five-star commitments from Southern California in the past couple of days, Bo Collins. And uh, Corey Foreman, and Corey Foreman's like idol is on the USC's team. You know they were they were high school teammates, so you're seeing the Texas's, the LSU's, Alabama's, Clemson, and in conference you know Oregon, Washington, really being able to raid Southern California. But no one's doing it better in the Pac-12 than Mario Cristobal in Oregon. So I, I think they've they've taken that game to another level. And then a guy, hiring a guy like Joe Moorhead, that's like hey we're gonna get a former head coach to be our Offensive coordinator, like that, you're acting like a blue blood program, and I don't see a lot of the other Pac-12 schools really doing that right now.
0: Yeah, if that makes sense, makes sense. All right, this is from our friend Old Michael. Uh, is the Pac-12 doomed? Hi guys, it seems like the changes that allow kids to profit off their Im- their own image dooms the Pac-12 to second class status. I hope you can explain to me why I am wrong. By the way, I think the change is the right thing to do. The coaches and schools. Uh, coaches and schools to make millions coaches and schools make millions sure. maybe means that yeah uh, yeah the kids risk life and limb and work their butts off typically for an education which may or may not be worth much suppose you are the top-rated quarterback in high school you visit texas a&m they say that with their rabid fan base they sold five hundred thousand dollars worth of johnny football gear if you can sign a deal for a 10 percent royalty you have the chance to earn fifty thousand dollars extra while in college you visit alabama you learn how much to a branded gear they sold then you visit UCLA and ask how much Brett Hundley stuff they sold, $75,000. How much Sam Darnold gear did USC sell, $100,000. Stanford's four fans didn't buy that much Christian McCaffrey gear. Maybe Oregon can make a case for how much Marcus, Mar- Marcus Mariota gear they sold, but I doubt they can match any SEC team or the elite Big Ten teams. These aren't real dollar numbers, but the elite SEC teams have fans who will spend a shitload more money on gear. The prospect not only gets all the other advantages of playing for an elite program in front of elite fans, but now they have an over-the-table financial incentive to go to Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson. Since every highly rated kid is convinced he will be an instant star in college, most elite kids will want to go to the big-name schools with the most rabid fans. In addition to great coaching, great facilities, playing in full stadiums, and any under-the-table money, they can legitimately ask the school to show me the money. The rich will get richer— the Pac-12 doesn't have the fan base. We'll spend the kind of money that the fans in other conferences will. Please tell me where I'm wrong. Keep up the good, quote, work, old Michael. Uh, Michael, you are describing the current state of college football. <laughs> True. All of this is as it is now. Um, and the simple fact is some of the payments are under the table instead of over the table. Uh, but this is all as it is now. Um, and there are over the table incentives. I mean, the fact that like, In some of these SEC locker rooms, there's like full on like game consoles, like in every single locker and all that kind of nonsense. I mean, these are perks, too. And all these things make it very obvious that these schools are much more serious about um, football and the whole deal than Pac-12 schools. That's going to be the case no matter what system is in place. So what is the most equitable system? Um, One where the players actually do get paid. Um, and above the board, and all of them have the right to do it. The kids who are going... I mean, look, it's going to be the same incentives to stay in California as there have always been. It's close to home for kids who are from California. Does Do any Pac-12 schools typically get a ton of guys from out of state or out of the region? No. It doesn't happen that much. Um, what the Pac-12 typically does when it's at its best is lock down California, keep everybody home. And if the programs are good, then whatever the if the programs are good first these payments will be higher because people will be more excited about the teams um and so assuming this format is correct that they're going to get a cut of the gear they sell or whatever um then i mean people buy USC jerseys they'll buy oregon jerseys they'll buy washington jerseys now um and so i don't really see the huge issue here at least like in context of how the current state of affairs is i think it's it will just keep the same situation in place, which is the SEC schools are always going to be more devoted to football than the Pac-12 schools. That's just the long and the short of it. You can get used to it. And that's a great way to operate. And the Pac-12 has other advantages, location being one of them and proximity to California.
2: Yeah, I would say all that. And Michael, I, I think if you focus on just jersey sales, like Tua would sell a bunch of jerseys, but that's one player. Like Even, you know, you got a five-star, like, middle linebacker. Are there going to be a lot of jersey sales for that? Like, probably not. Um, Usually the bookstores don't have, you know, every player's – maybe a couple numbers or something. It's not like you – it's like a huge deal. It's not like the long snappers are going to be making a bunch of money off their jersey sales. That's just a small part of it. It's But, you know, I think every university, you know, if you're at Cal or you're at Arizona State, there's going to be – some alumni that has a car dealership and, you know, Jane Daniels might get, you know, a hundred grand for promoting the car dealership where I don't know, maybe Tua it gets 200 grand for doing that in Alabama. Like there's going to be, there's going to be money to go around. It's not just like how many jerseys did you sell? Like there'll be boosted. Yeah, no, it's, and-
0: it's the, the under the table payments will now be over the table, yeah. but like literally those same payments and they will be for whatever goods or services, but well, I'll just, UCLA has got some boosters. I know USC sure as hell does. I know Oregon does. And those guys, they'll find a way to get money across. And now that they can do it legally, hell, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, And every school's got somebody. Every school's got some crazy ass who's like, oh yeah, I want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, on a college sports team because that's what gets me going in the morning. Whatever. Live your truth. Nice.
2: All right. Well, thanks for that one. I think we got one last question. Email from Eric. Uh, he says, with Utah winning the South the last two years, every school in the South has won the division. Assuming the corporate structure doesn't change, what would you set as the over-under for years until Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State will have won the division and, competed, uh, for, and completed it for the North? Okay. Does he mean uh, whatever? So 10 years. 30... Completed
0: the uh, the six-fecta, whatever you call oh, it. Oh, okay. So
2: all three of them have to. So they want to complete the it.
0: Sess-fecta? Okay. Would it be a sess
2: I think you're right. Uh, so, okay. I was thinking for each one. But all three would have to win the division once. So you'll complete it for the North like it is for the South. 10 years, 30 years, until Disney makes a new Star Wars movie loved by both fans and critics. Keep up the good work and go Ducks, Eric. Wow. All right. Uh, all right. Cal could win this year.
0: I'd prefer to look at it historically. Um, so, Oregon State last won the conference in any real way in. Uh, let me pull it up. Oregon State last sort of won the conference in two thousand. So you could probably make the claim they've been that they've been good for top two at least once in that stretch. Between that, I mean, Mike Riley had some decent teams so. Maybe once every 10 years they're kind of in that conversation. Okay. So I'll call it 10 years for Oregon State. But that's just one. Cal was last good enough to win the conference in the Tedford era. Uh, let's see exactly when uh, they last won the conference. Uh, they last won the conference in... Oh, it doesn't... White. Wikipedia really fails you sometimes, you know?
2: I know. That free service, and we just want it to be better.
0: Yeah. They last won the conference in 2006, but before that it was 1975. Um, so I'll go, let's say it's not going to be 30 years, which is what it was between those two instances. Let's say it's 15 now in this modern era. Um, so 15 years for Cal. And then you've got Washington State which last won the conference in 2002. Okay, so you've got Washington State in 2002, you've got Cal in uh, 2006, and you've got Oregon State in 2000. Um, So they're all technically kind of in that do area now. So I'll say it happens for each of them. They'll all win the North Division within the next 12 years.
2: Yeah, I was thinking 15 or 18, something like that. I mean, Washington State's two years removed from 11 win season. Cal looks good, and they you know if Oregon takes a step back, they you know some people are predicting Cal will win the North. Uh, one of our emailers did. Uh, Oregon State's getting better, but I think for all three, I, I could see one or two of them in the next like five years getting it done potentially. But like for all three, it's like man, like everyone has to get better. So I, I think I might go like 18 years.
0: Okay. Cool, cool, cool.
2: Yeah. Thanks for that one, Eric. Is that it? That was it. Is that it? That's... We're done. We are done. Uh, how long did we go for this one? Yeah. hour 36 minutes, not too bad. I guess we, came, we, brought we it. came up with like a real topic, so we had to like talk about it for a while. So that's true. Um, all right. Well, that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham, and we're the podcast of champions. Thank you guys all for listening. We do appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next time.
0: Bye. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath
2: Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where
0: mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling
2: back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect
0: Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status.
1: Huka After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for
2: champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now and together we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.